Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Michelle Emerson and Bridget Spackman, and we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. What time is it? It's, it's habit, habit time. time. <laughs> In today's episode, we are going to share six habits related to time management that we believe every teacher needs to build. Mm, I'm so excited for this episode. But first, we're going to listen to a TSH from Melanie. Melanie says, planning with others. I find that often I am planning with my assistant or my kindergarten team that we go down this long and winding roads during planning time. Mm, I'm sure a lot of people out there do the same. <laughs> Instead of staying on task, I find myself letting others control the narrative of the, of the meeting. Therefore, instead of getting all of the areas I need to cover taken care of, I end up up conceding to others. I've spoken up earlier in the year in the nicest way. I just feel like I look like a bossy pants if I take the reins. Before I respond to the TSH, I'm just laughing because y'all know Bridget and I batch episodes. We typically do four to five episodes at a time Mm -hmm. and we outline them in advance. So we copy and paste the TSH and just, you know, read it word for word. But it cracks me up when we're recording because I can always see the outline and Bridget can always Mm -hmm. see the outline. And there's moments where it's like we're reading it, but you can tell like it's not clicking in our brain. And like I had one of these moments in the last episode, but we just try to find it along the way. And it made me think about in the office, um, the picnic company picnic oh, yeah. episode I love that when one. Michael Scott has like his notes about what he's going to say to Holly and he's reading and he's like we're soup snakes and then he's like yeah you know from uh that one time that we had and then he's like okay that doesn't make sense and then he rereads it and he's like ah oh, soulmates soulmates <laughs> <laughs> it just made me think of that <sighs> so <clears throat> honestly Melanie I gave up on actually quote-unquote planning during collaborative planning times early on in my teaching career. I'm sure there are teachers out there who can actually get real planning done during those times, but Mm -hmm. I've never been that way with my team teachers. I would use collaborative planning time as an opportunity to kind of map out what I would be teaching and when I would be teaching it, but then I would use my individual planning time to actually get tasks done. We discussed this issue um, in my la- like my last two years of teaching fourth grade. See, I just had one of those moments where I was like, yeah. what did I write and what does this mean? Um, <laughs> our admin made us start sending out an agenda for our collaborative planning time. And when I would send out the agenda, I would give each person a specific role. So it's like, okay, this person is responsible for kind of coming up with a synopsis of the upcoming lessons and like what, you know, the objectives are and all that. This person is responsible for finding like, extended learner tasks, which was kind of like um, tasks that would really challenge some of your brightest students. And then having like each person had a specific thing to do and that did help us get more done during the time. But then I still had to have my own time to actually like really plan stuff out. Yeah, I'm with Michelle on this one. It seems like I have attended very, very few collaborations in which we are truly productive and stay on track. I will often take the approach of here is my plan and here is what I'm doing. (laughs) And I just kind of leave it at that. I know that sounds terrible because it does not make me a team player. But I promise you that I will help any team member that I need to help. And I try to give things. But I'm also not going to sit back and try to like allow them to dictate how I run my classroom and also like when I'm getting things done 
I just can't do it anymore. (laughs) So this ensures like that I basically have everything ready to go and don't necessarily need to depend on anybody else to move forward in my goals, which is one of the things that I hate. I don't like depending on others. Yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. It sounds terrible. There are certain things that you have to be flexible with. And then there's other things that you have to just put your foot down and be like, nope, this is what I'm doing. And here's why you're welcome to do it with me. I'll share the materials with you, but I'm not, you know. And I just feel like I'm a really smart ELA teacher. (laughs) Yeah, no, you are. So, you know, you're, I feel like I know it and I'm just like, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I know what you mean. Everybody hates so, me now. <laughs> no, they do not. <laughs> we have shared a lot of tips and tricks and hacks related to time management um, over the years. I can now say over the years because our podcast is over two wild. years old. <laughs> and they're all great. <laughs> but yeah. we need to have a specific plan for implementing them in our lives so that we can be consistent. We're going to take some of our best tips and hacks and we're going to turn them into actual habits that you can build on a daily basis in order to improve your time management. So this is really like application 1.0 or 2.0 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So in Atomic Habits, James Clear states that a habit needs to contain an action, time, and location so that you have a very clear understanding of the implementation intention. Ooh, try to say that five times real fast. We're going to share six habits in the form of a fill in the blank. All right. So we're going to say, I will action at time in location. Um, And we're going to give you the action, but you have to decide the time and the location that fits your personality, your schedule, and your individual life. Okay. So we're going to get it started for you, but you got to finish it. Yeah. Because there's no way that we would ever be able to come up with the time and location that would work for everyone. Right. No. (laughs) And then we would have people emailing us, but Michelle and Bridget, I tried this and it didn't work. Well, Well, yeah, you got to adapt it. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) So habit number one, I will create a power list at blank time in blank location. So as a reminder, if you're new here, a power list is a list of just three to-dos for the day. You can keep it on paper, a sticky note, whatever, Mm -hmm. or you can go digital. You can keep it in your notes app, Google Tasks, Google Keep, whatever works for you. The reason we recommend creating a power list is because it gives you a focus for the day and it helps you actually cross items off your to-do list. (laughs) So if you find like the whole day will go by and you're like, what did I even get done? Like you're not accomplishing anything by the end of the day. This habit is definitely for you. Mm -hmm. So here is my example of my time and my location. I would say I will create a power list at 10.30 p.m. in bed. I really like to create my power list the night before. That just works for me. Mm-hmm. And lately I've been around 10 o'clock is when I kind of start my evening routine. I get my snacks. Y'all, I like have a feast in bed before <laughs> I sleep. And by the time I get all those, I go upstairs. I like wash my face, get all that done. And then right before I actually get into bed, I will stand right by my nightstand. I set my alarms. And in that same moment, like I get into bed, I create my power list, I put my phone on the charger and I don't touch it the rest of the night. So that's what works for me. What about you, Bert? Yeah, mine's a little bit different. So I put, I will create a power list at 6.30 a.m. at my desk. So I like to combine just like Michelle does with like her sex and her like evening routine. I combine it with something that I already do. So 
For instance, in the morning, I'm getting ready for work. And because I get ready at my desk, which sounds kind of weird, but it's like the quiet place in my house. And I have like one drawer in my desk that has like all my makeup stuff, which by the way, Michelle, I have found like the best organization system for that little spot. It makes me so okay. happy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but show me. I will. So I am getting ready for work and since I'm doing it at my desk, it's really nice because it can just kind of lead into this habit of creating my power list. So once I'm done getting ready, I can take out, you know, open it up on my on my laptop and just kind of jot down the things that I'm I'm going to focus on for that day. Yeah, I love the tip of like pairing it with a habit that you already do because it's going to signal to your brain to make sure that you actually see the habit all the way through. Right, exactly. <laughs> now let's propose another problem. Let's say you are creating your power list. That's not a problem at all, but you're not actually getting the items done. You may need to make your power list more obvious or more visible. So for example, you could actually write out the items on a sticky note and place that sticky note on the back of your phone so that you constantly see it and feel it. Like anytime you pick up your phone, you're going to feel that sticky note throughout the day. It's going to be that constant reminder to actually get those items done. Yeah. And I've definitely done that on different occasions. Like I'm normally just like a Google Tasks girl, but if I feel like I really need to focus on that day, I go sticky note, which is interesting. I don't go sticky note. I go sticky note. I don't know. It is. I don't know. I don't know if that's like a a bad thing to like go back and forth. It hasn't been for me yet. So we'll see. Mm. We'll see. (laughs) So the next uh, habit that we want you to build is going to be, ready? Here we go, people. I will complete the most difficult task from my power list at blank time in blank location. Listen, we all dread having to complete difficult tasks. I have a difficult task on my list today that I have to complete, and I know that I'm going to do this right after I finish podcasting this morning. But you really do need to prioritize the most difficult task for when you have more time available in your day and you feel less, like it's gonna end up leading you to feel less stressed. So if you find yourself like waiting until the end of the day, what's gonna end up happening is you're not going to want to even do the task. You're going to be exhausted from whatever it is that you were doing from work earlier that day. It's going to lead into, well, I'm just, you know, I don't want to do this now. And it's going to be something that you never really accomplish. So go ahead and just get that most difficult and heavy item off of your plate first thing in the morning. So that way you can enjoy the rest of your day. So here's an example that I will do. I say that I will complete the most difficult task on my power list at 7 a.m. at school. I know that probably sounds crazy, but I like to get to school an hour early, um, mainly because I just want to avoid my family in the mornings because I like peace and quiet. (laughs) The truth (laughs) comes out. (laughs) So it's very true. Um, I just can't. I can't handle the chaos. But I have like this hour from 7 to 8 o'clock, and I know that I can get a really heavy task done during that 7 o'clock time. Sometimes I can get all of my power list items done during that time. Um, But that is when I have decided that I'm going to sit down and just get her done because there's nobody there to bother me. It's first thing in the morning. So I know like I'm at my most awake and alert and my brain is like functioning pretty well. Um, And that just works for me and my schedule. 
Yeah. And I am not a morning person. So mine is a little bit later. Mine would be, I will complete the most difficult task from my power list at 10 a.m. at my desk. Now we do want you to keep this broad. The reason we worded it as the most difficult task is because that's going to change from day to day. So by saying just, I will complete the most difficult task, it allows you to easily adapt the habit. So if you need like a little bit more direction, you can add another habit of actually highlighting or starring the task you will do first when you actually make your power list. This is an example of habit stacking. So maybe when I get into bed, I create my power list. The very last thing that I do is put a star next to, or maybe I move the power list item I'm going to do first to the top. That way I know the next day at 10 a.m. when I sit down to my desk, which I picked that time because that's kind of the end of my morning routine. And so that's when I start like working on my actual tasks. I know exactly what to get started on and I'm not going to waste time like just lollygagging and, you know, not knowing which one to do first. Yeah, absolutely. But if you find that you're still struggling with accomplishing this, you may need to look at your power list and then make sure to balance the types of tasks that you're putting on it in a single day. So too many difficult or exhaustive tasks can lead to just overwhelm and stress. So if you're putting like all three of your tasks are really heavy tasks, then you're just going to end up overwhelming yourself. So make sure that you're taking some time and you're putting a variety of types in there. So like an easy, a medium, and a hard. Yeah. And you can even spread those out throughout the week. Like I love to front load my week. So like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is when I'm doing my most difficult tasks. Mm -hmm. And then Thursday and Friday are my easier ones because I know that I tend to lose steam throughout the week. Yeah. That's a good point. All right. Habit number three, I will turn my phone on do not disturb at blank time in blank location. For most of us, our phones are a huge distraction. Huh. And let's just throw Apple Watches in there as well, oh. because currently, Billy and I got a ring doorbell for Christmas, and we just installed it yesterday. And we have been loving it because last night, <laughs> so I didn't realize like how all it worked, but we were leaving for dinner, and I'm like walking down the sidewalk, and Billy's behind me, and he locks the door. And then he like turned and he was like looking dead into the camera. Oh, that's creepy. Well, when we got oh. home, I was like, oh, like I can review the videos. I didn't know that that was a thing. Oh, and yeah. I went through and I was like, oh, look, it's us sleeping for dinner. And then all of a sudden I see like his face. It looked like like the Blair Witch Project or something. Oh, but I was cracking up because I had no idea that he had done that. Uh, but now I get notifications on my watch of like someone's at your door. And it's great because I, I do enjoy the security aspect of it. But just now it's like I it was vibrating because Billy was going to the store. And so I got mm -hmm. a notification that like he was leaving and all of those things. Yeah. The number of times that we pick up our phone to check something because we get a notification and then we get lost down rabbit holes is frankly embarrassing. Like mm -hmm. it happens often. Yeah. <laughs> I will. I'm famous for this. It's so sad. Billy gives me a hard time. I will pick up my phone, open up like Facebook or Instagram scroll a little bit, get bored, put down my phone. 30 seconds goes by. I pick it up and I do the same thing again. And Billy will be like, you were just on there. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, like, I don't even know. It's just 
a habit and I do it without even thinking about it. So do not disturb will prevent notifications from going to your phone so that you can focus on the task at hand. The reason we chose do not disturb rather than airplane mode is because if you are on like your home Wi-Fi or your school Wi-Fi, when you go into airplane mode, it's still going to send you notifications. So here's an example. I will turn my phone on, do not disturb, as soon as I get to my classroom after dropping my class off at specials. I always had planning time like first thing in the morning. So my kids would come in, I would take them to their specials, come back to my classroom and then turn on do not disturb for that time so that I don't have to worry about getting distracted. Yeah. Um, it's so funny, this whole like distraction thing. I know that I kind of mentioned it in a couple of episodes ago, maybe I think it was, but I had decided to delete like social media off of my cell phone so that I can kind of just take a break from everything, YouTube, Instagram, all of it, and really just focus on finishing up grad school. And I remember telling Michelle, like the first like few days, I would pick up my phone and like look at it and say, there's nothing on there for me to look at. And so <laughs> I would put it down. But I remember sitting in bed and I was like working on something very mindless watching a TV show. I was like, a, it was like, a, you know, just filling stuff in. And um, I picked my phone up like 10 times within an hour. Yeah. And it was like, oh my gosh, like it's such an automatic thing now mm-hmm. that it just it's like ingrained in me to like constantly want to do this. So I have currently deleted everything off. But if I once I kind of go back and I, I add those apps to my phone, if I add the apps, I'm not sure. I'm really loving this idea of not being on social media. Yeah. Um, I plan on doing it on saying I will turn my phone on do not disturb at 7 a.m. until 8 a.m. at school. Um, One of the things that I was noticing was that I would, as soon as I would get to school, I would get on Instagram or I would kind of pick it up and just start scrolling. So that time that I had that was really quiet, that nobody's there at school, I kind of have it to myself. I would start working, but then I would pick my phone up and then I would just start scrolling for no reason. And I would do the same thing you did, put it down and then pick it back up automatically. So Um, I know for me that I tend to do my best work in the mornings. And so this is when I plan on trying to get most of my heavy work done. So by turning my phone off, like during this time frame, I can ensure that I'm more focused. So choose a time like when you think that you're going to get the most work done. And this can vary just based off, off of your own lifestyle and work habits. Yeah. And to make it a little bit easier, you can actually create a setting in your phone that will automatically turn on do not disturb during specific hours of the day. I'm only giving directions for iPhones because I don't know how Androids work. Mm -hmm. But if you go to settings and then choose focus, then click on do not disturb. Mm -hmm. There's a section where it says turn on automation and you can create those settings. And side note, maybe you're not wanting to turn on do not disturb because you're worried about like an emergency happening or something like that. Another little trick that I've used is just putting my phone in a different location away Mm -hmm. from me. And what I love to do is like put it on a charger on the other side of the room. That way I'm like, oh, well, it's charging. And then I leave it. And when it's not right in front of me, I don't think about it. Like a couple hours will go by and I'm like, oh, shoot. Like I haven't checked my phone. Uh, I love on my couch the new couch that we got for our house, it has like a section where you can have a plug on one side. And so I leave a phone charger plugged in there all the time. What I will do is plug my phone in there and I will go sit on the opposite side of the couch. So I'm too far away from my phone to pick it up. Yeah. I leave mine upstairs in my bedroom and that is like the best way for me to do it. Cause I don't like to be in my bedroom during the day. It just makes me sleepy. (laughs) So it's a perfect place for me to put it. 
Okay, so um, habit number four that we want you to build. I will prepare my lessons for the next day at blank time in blank location. So building the habit of leaving every day at the end of your contract hours is a very, very big goal. But there are always so many different factors that are working against us here, right? So not having your materials ready, teachers coming in, everybody's chatting. So many different things could really happen during that time frame. But if you really designate a specific time for when you want to prepare for the next day, you're going to be more apt to follow through with it in the long run. So for me, I tell myself I will prepare my lessons for the next day at 2.40 p.m. in my classroom. So I'm very, very blessed in the sense that I have special at the very end of the day. I know, super jealous. (laughs) I get it. It is such a nice feeling because the kids go to special. When they come back, it is literally bells. Like they start ringing. Kids are leaving at that point. So it works out really, really well that I have this ability to kind of prepare for tomorrow's lessons. So I have told myself that if I do it at 2.40, um, that gives me about 10 minutes. I can go to the bathroom. I can, you know, check my mailbox. I can come walk back to my classroom. By 2.40, I'm in my room. And so there have been a couple of occasions where people will say, hey, do you want to plan and talk about this? I know now how long it pretty much takes me to finish up my lessons. So at 2.40, it usually takes me until about like 2.55, 3 o'clock. And so at that point, I will tell people, yep, I can meet three o'clock for 10 minutes. That way I'm ensuring that nobody else is taking up my time. They're not disturbing that time. And I'm focusing on accomplishing that specific habit. Yeah. Just to give you all another example, maybe you don't want to tie it to a specific time. Instead, you can kind of pair it with like a task. So maybe instead of doing it the day before, maybe the day of when you get to your classroom, it's going to be the first thing that you do, like kind of setting up your lessons. Mm -hmm. Your habit could be, I will prepare my lessons for rather instead of the next day, maybe it would be for that day when I turn on the lights in my classroom. So it's like you come in, you turn on your lights and you immediately start to prepare your lessons. Two little tips. Well, I guess it's technically one tip, but I have a bonus tip (laughs) to help you if you're kind of struggling with this. Create a checklist of all the little tasks you have to do for this. So for example, opening specific tabs on your computer, laying out your copies, gathering materials, etc. If you have it on a checklist and you know exactly what you have to get done next, and once you've completed the checklist, you know you are good to go. If you store your checklist in Google Keep, you can actually cross items off while you're away from your phone using your Apple Watch. So this kind of pairs nicely with the last one about like, okay, put your phone away from you, turn it on, do not disturb. If I'm around my room getting things ready on my Apple Watch, I can open up Google Keep and I can check off these items. But what I love about the Apple Watch is it's not as distracting as your phone because I'm Mm going to get on, do what I need to do and get off. It's kind of that friction, right? Like I hate texting through my Apple watch. Like I know it is possible, but it is not my favorite thing. So I'm less likely to kind of get sidetracked if I'm just checking off items on my Apple watch. Yeah. And if you're still finding that you're struggling, especially with people just coming into your classroom, create a do not disturb sign for your door. So virtual teaching, as much as it has probably drove us all crazy, has really made 
this such a blessing because so many teachers are now using Zooming or recording as a way to like maintain privacy and quiet work time. I know that I have done it. I am not ashamed because I am getting things done. So there's just a quick tip for you. Yeah, I had my end synchronous learning sign on my classroom door and I just left it up pretty much all the time yeah. to prevent people from coming out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Habit number five. I will work toward my goal of blank, whatever your goal is, at blank time in blank location. It is so easy to set goals, but then never actually schedule time to get them done. And that's why so many like quote unquote resolutions fail. I'm going to give you a quick example. I think it was the last episode. I mentioned how Billy and I were discussing how he cannot jump rope, which is a fact. I've always been a decent jump roper. Like I can do double unders and like, you know, basic things, but I have not been able to do like really cool tricks where they like go to the side and all of that. So I found this girl who became a jump roper during like quarantine time. Like she was at home, she had a jump rope. So she started teaching herself and now she's like phenomenal. She's so good. And I was like, you know what? I want to be a jump roper. Like I want to be able to be a jump roper. It looked so cool. So I go on Amazon. I ordered myself a jump rope. Have I used it? No. And I ordered this in like, like August, Bridget. I have not touched it. Space back there in that backyard to do it on. And I haven't done it. And it's because I haven't scheduled the time to actually work on it. So this habit forces you to set aside time on a daily basis, or if you need to limit it, you could do just a certain number of times per week to ensure that you're actually making progress toward your goal. Now, your goal could be work-related, so maybe leaving work at the end of your contract hours, or it could be personal. You could have a health and fitness goal, or self-care time, or time to spend with your family, etc. You don't have to word it as, I will work toward my goal of blank. (laughs) You can just, you know, specify the action that's going to move you toward your goals. So for example, mine could be, I will go to the gym at 5.30 p.m. on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, and 11 a.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. Obviously, this one doesn't have a location because like the location is going to the gym. Like it's part of, you know, the action. (laughs) Yeah, totally makes sense. For me, um, mine is I will work toward my goal of grading papers at 8 a.m. at my desk. So I shared kind of at the beginning of this year when we were talking about habits that we were wanting to build that grading papers is one of my I'm not very good at tasks. So I have definitely wanted to add that to my list to be more meaningful, purposeful, you know, with the feedback and everything that I'm I'm giving to my students. So um, I know for a fact at eight o'clock in the morning, that's kind of the beginning of my contract hours. And because I get to school at seven o'clock, I have, you know, some things knocked off on my power list. I'm pretty ready to go, like ready to go by eight o'clock in the morning. So at eight o'clock, I kind of can sit down and just really focus um, for about 30-ish minutes of just interrupted time to be able to get some grades done. And this has been really helpful um, in just making sure that I'm maintaining them and I'm keeping up with my grades so that I don't have a huge pile by the end of the week. Yeah. And sometimes with like broad goals, just getting started is the struggle. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, make your habit whatever the first action is. So maybe 
you know, your goal is really to start working out more. I'm using fitness as an example, because y'all know that that's, you know, what I really relate to. If your goal is truly to be spending more time working out throughout the week, your actual habit could be related to just going to the gym. That's why in my example, I said, I will go to the gym at this time on these days because once I'm there, I'm going to work out. But the hardest part is just getting myself there. It could even be like, I will change clothes for the gym at this time on these days. That was part of my like afternoon routine. When I would leave school, I would, you know, turn off all my technology, et cetera, go into the bathroom, change into my gym clothes, go back into my classroom, grab my work bag and go. So sometimes it's just finding that very first action and having that be the habit that you build, because after that, it's kind of a domino effect and it will lead you into the other actions that you need to do. Mm, Very good point. Okay, so we are on our last habit that we are going to work on building. Um, So we would like for you to think about arriving and leaving school. So here's the habit. I will arrive at school at blank time and leave school at blank time. Now we didn't add a location here because I, again, it's kind of an obvious one. You're leaving school, <laughs> right? You're getting in your car and you're going home. If you want to add that you're going to get in your car by this time, totally do that. Um, but I know that we, when we say things out loud, um, I I typically feel like they can become more true. Does it make sense? Mm -hmm. There is nothing more true that we as teachers want than a really defined work-life balance. And in order to do this, we have to really define our work hours and stick to them. So we're not saying that you have to work your contract hours. Rather, we are saying that what are those hours that's really going to work best for you. So I know for me, I'm a morning person. I don't necessarily like to be at home when all of my family is up and doing things because they drive me crazy. They are a wild bunch. And so I like to be at school at seven o'clock in the morning and then leave school at 3.45 p.m. So 3.45 p.m. is the end of my contract hours. I don't necessarily have to be at school until eight o'clock in the morning. That's the beginning of my contract hours. But I like getting there early because I like the quiet. So I may not be working contract hours, but I'm working a schedule that really works best for me and my lifestyle. Um, So that's really something to kind of consider. We're not sitting here telling you you have to do this, but find a schedule that works best for you, right? Yeah, like we preach, you know, working contract hours. And when we say that, we really just mean working less and like not feeling like you have to stay at school for hours after or getting there hours before. But hopefully y'all know by now, like we preach, do what works for you. Because the reality is we all have different needs. We all have different schedules. And ultimately working contract hours may not work perfectly for you. Here's my example. I would always arrive at school at 8.45 a.m. and leave school at 5.15 p.m. So for me, our contract hours didn't start until like we were a late start school. And I would get there right at the start of my contract hours. Like I'm not a morning person. I was not going to be productive if I got there early. It wasn't worth it. But my contract hours would end at like 4 p.m., But I would stay at school until 5.15 because that's when I would leave to meet Billy at the gym. It didn't make sense for me to leave at four o'clock. In fact, I did a month where I literally worked just contract hours. So I would leave school at four o'clock. I think it was technically 4.15 was the end of my contract hours. 
And I would just get in my car and I'm like, what am I supposed to do for an hour? It wasn't enough time to drive home because by the time I got home with the traffic, I'd have to head right back. Right. So that was pointless. And I'm literally like, what What do I do now? So for me, staying at school until 5.15 actually worked. And build the rest of your routines around this habit. So if you are struggling to leave, you know, at the end of the day, like you cannot find yourself leaving early, like you want to stay at school until 8 p.m., create some sort of like an obligation or like a, it's almost like a, a what's that called? An accountability buddy. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, I was that person that struggled. Like I would stay at school forever. I started having Billy meet me at the gym because then I knew he was there waiting for me. I could not hang around school for as long as I wanted because he was waiting. So that is a way to kind of help keep yourself accountable if that's something you're struggling with. Yeah. And if you really struggle with kind of defining the times, right? If you are somebody that kind of stays in to, at school until six o'clock and you're like, I just, I cannot go past, you know, I can't go any earlier than six o'clock. Start with kind of inching your time in smaller increments in the mm. beginning, right? So if that. you are somebody that leaves at six, try pushing yourself to 530 and then maybe to five o'clock. And you're going to find that you're going to start kind of slowly scaffolding that process, I guess. Um, and you're going to make it more manageable. Manageable, that's a better word. <laughs> the other one wasn't <laughs> wasn't a word. But too hefty of a goal can become very overwhelming and it can make you want to quit. So as you feel good with the new times, you can always continue to work towards this like new goal of like where you want to be. Yeah, I feel like that was the perfect tip to end on because it applies to so many things. It's like building momentum for yourself. Yes. And once you build the momentum, it's like you're golden. But we struggle to do that. And it's because we're creating too big of a goal at the mm -hmm. beginning. Ugh, okay. I enjoyed this episode. It was Did good. You enjoy this I episode? really enjoyed it. I feel like it's very applicable. You know yeah, what I mean? It's Sometimes you hear is what these, I was thinking. Yes, yes. You hear these tips and you're like, but I don't know how to actually make that work. Yeah. And I feel like with this, it's fill in the blank. You know, you just have to pick the time and the location, but we've given you the actual habits. Right. In our next episode, we are going to share some strategies that will help you overcome your biggest time management mistakes. If you listen to episode 110, Bridget and I shared three each of our biggest time management mistakes that we've kind of struggled with over the years. But in the next episode, we're going to kind of make them very broad where you'll be like, oh yeah, I've definitely done that before. And again, we're going to give you those tips that you can start implementing right away to fix it. Yeah. And we would love for you to head on over to our website, teachingonthedouble.com and submit your time sucking hurdle. We want to know what is your TSH. You can also find the link down in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you can get notified the next time we drop our new episode, which is on Thursday mornings. And we would love it if you would leave us a review over on iTunes. It really does help us to get into the ears of so many other teachers out there. And we love hearing from you. So until next time, be timely, stay organized, and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.